Hello, and Dave, is this on? Dave, I'm not hearing myself. Are we recording? Dave? It's Peter. Peter? Who's Peter? I am. Well, then why am I calling you Dave? Dave was the last producer. Really? When did we get a new producer? Six months ago. I see. Well, nice to meet you, Peter. Uh, is this mic on? Yes. So we're recording? Yes. Well, then why can't I hear myself? In the headphones, I can't hear myself. You need to press the direct monitor button. The what? The, the direct monitor button. The one... Here, let me. Oh, that one, right. Now, yes, now, now I can hear myself. Still recording. Oh, right. Um, can you just cut all that out and then we'll start over, shall we? Just cut to the show. You're listening to the Canardly Talk Straight Show. Please give a warm welcome to your host, Canardly Talk Straight. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Canardly Talk Straight. It's only appropriate for our series of interviews with some of the greatest conquerors in history that we have on the show someone who actually has the name Conqueror in their title. Today's guest had a profound and everlasting effect on England, particularly the church, culture, language and aristocracy, effects that are still here today. Please join me, ladies and gentlemen, in welcoming to the show a man with many titles, including Duke of Normandy, William I, and as mentioned before, that most famous of monikers, William the Conqueror. Nice intro. Thanks, Canardly. Couldn't have put it better myself. Which moniker is your favourite? How do you prefer to be addressed? None of those, actually. Really? Not William the Conqueror? Well, I don't mind that one, and all the monikers are true, by the way, but I think a more accurate moniker would be William the Believer. William the Believer. Got a real ring to it, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. I knew you'd like it. No, I really don't. And it's far more accurate. Let me explain. Conquering is just the outcome to what I was doing but it doesn't take into account what it requires in order to be successful at conquering, like being a skilled military tactician. No. Bravery? No. A good fighter? No. I mean, those things are important, sure, but that's fairly standard stuff if you're going to be in the conquering game. There were lots of people who had all of that and didn't achieve anywhere near as much as me. Well, then what do you mean? Four things. Focus, happiness, motivation and belief. Right. Oh, I see. You mean self-belief. I thought you meant belief in God. Well, of course I meant belief in myself. I mean, it's nice to have God on your side and all, but if I don't believe in myself, I will find myself chatting to God, if you know what I mean. Yes, I think I do. You think you do? You have to know you do, Canardly. You have to believe. It's all in my book. You have a book. Seven must-do hacks if you want to conquer the world. Look it up on Amazon. Amazon, really? Focus happiness, motivation, and belief. If I didn't have those things, we wouldn't be sitting here now. Those four things are the key to success, no matter what you do for a living. I just happened to be in the conquering business. I could just as easily have been a blacksmith. William the blacksmith. William the focused, happy, motivated blacksmith who believes in himself. It's all in my book on Amazon. That's right. You see, I always tell people, if you love what you are doing, you will be successful. Happiness is the key to success. Success is not the key to happiness. That's in chapter one. That's what Albert Schweitzer said. 
Albert who? Schweitzer. He won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1952. Peace Prize? That's how I won wars. Well, I guess in 1952 it could be used in the context of peace. Well, then he stole it from me, didn't he? Which is not a very peaceful thing to do. I said it in 1052, 900 years earlier. I see. Well, it certainly worked out for you, didn't it? You became Duke of Normandy in 1036 after your father's death, is that right? That sounds about right, yes. After he died, I became CEO. You mean Duke? No, I mean CEO. It stands for Chief Executive Officer. Yes, I know what it stands for. Oh, really? Because it didn't sound like you did. Well, I was unaware you called yourself the CEO of Normandy. You didn't know I called myself William the Believer. That's true. I saw it like this. Normandy was like the family company, and the head of the company is the CEO. And when I took over as head of the family business, I needed to convince certain people that I was the right choice as CEO, even though you were his illegitimate son. I wasn't the first illegitimate child to take over the family business, Canardly. They were everywhere back then. But it's true, he and mum weren't married, and I can't say it made things easy for me. All sorts of people wanted to be CEO. There were lots of hostile takeover attempts, and I was only eight years old, so I had to learn fast. Luckily, I had a few guardians who were on my side, so they looked after me a bit, but it wasn't an easy job. Oh, in what way? They kept getting killed in the hostile takeover attempts. I see, and who were they? Well, first of all, there was Alan of Brittany. He died around 1039. Then Gilbert of Brion took over. He only lasted a couple of months before he was killed, along with another guardian, Turchtul. Then there was Osborne, killed in the 1040s and so on. But I was lucky as well, because the CEO of France was a big supporter of me being in charge of Normandy. So that helped. This is King Henry I of France. Yes, that's right. There was this big hostile takeover attempt by a conglomerate of smaller companies in 1046. By Guy of Burgundy, if I'm correct? You are correct, Canardly. He seemed to think that he'd make a better CEO of Normandy purely on account of I was a bastard. In the truer sense of the word, he came after me with Nigel and Ranulf, the Viscounts of Contenton and Besson, respectively. Yes, the general managers. Yes. But I was 18 years old by this stage, and this little bastard crushed their takeover attempt. With the help of Henry I. Well, sure, if the takeover looked like it was going to succeed, he was there to sway the board meeting in my favour. But it never looked like it was going to fail, Canardly. Do you know why? Belief? If you're going to say it, Canardly, say it like you mean it. Belief. 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 Very good. See, even a slow-witted fellow like you can pick it up. Uh, yes. Now, this was the Battle of Val-Edunes, is that correct? Quite a board meeting, that one. But I came away with control of the company and a little more respect than I had previously, that's for sure. And a few more assets in the form of Guy of Burgundy's land and castles. So, things settled down a bit after that. No, not at all. The one thing you learn as CEO is you can be on the right track, but if you sit there, you're going to get run over. Will Rogers. Pardon? Will Rogers. You're quoting Will Rogers. I think you'll find he's quoting me, because I said it in 1060, 1056. Right. You see, by now I had control over the company and a good solid business structure. You mean a battle-hardened army. My managers had experience in the trenches and loyal employees willing to do our bidding. 
But my good friend Henry, CEO of France, didn't like that because he thought he could control me like a puppet and run Normandy like his own company. So he decided to try his own hostile takeover. What happened? He lost. Do you know why? Belief? Lack of belief. Just when I think you're catching on. Anyway, after a couple of years, he died. So that put a stop to all the hostile takeovers for a while. So does that mean you became king of France? No, it did not. But it did mean I was probably the most powerful CEO in France. By this stage, I had a lot of assets. The company's bank account was healthy and I was ready to make a few hostile takeovers myself, meaning England. It was a very attractive asset, that's for sure. But what made it impossible to say no was the fact that the previous CEO, King Edward the Confessor, Edward, yes, was clearly impressed by the way I ran my side of the family business and him, having no heir apparent, decided I should take over his side after him. Right. See, my grandfather was his uncle and the rest of his family were useless. But some of them, particularly Harold Godwinson, thought they could run the company, which meant if I wanted to take over the company, it would have to be hostile. So it was Harold who took over from Edward. Well, Edward died in 1066, and Harold was his brother-in-law, and he decided he was the heir apparent. I see. Now, granted they came from a pretty powerful family business, the most powerful in England. But once Edward was gone, all these wannabe CEOs came out of the woodwork, not just Harold. He just happened to get there first. So you weren't the only one who believed you should be king. There were others, Canardly, even his own brother who he'd exiled before wanted to have a go. So I guess that was a bit of a problem then. Well, as I always say, Canardly, every problem is a gift. Without problems, we would not grow. You didn't say that. Anthony Robbins said that. Anthony who? Anthony Robbins, the motivational speaker. Well, he probably read it in my book. It's chapter two, Canardly, under problems and solutions. Look it up. Okay, then. So how did you find the solution to this problem? In this situation, Canardly, the problem was part of the solution. How so? Harold knew I was coming to claim the throne, but he also knew he had problems from all the others. And who were they? There was Edward the Exile, son of Edmund Ironside, grandson of Ethelred the Unready, which in my mind was an appropriate name for the lot of them. Mm. He was some cousin or other. He came back to England to throw his hat in the ring, then promptly died. But he did leave a son behind, Edgar, who fancied himself as a CEO, but quite frankly, I wouldn't put him in charge of a franchise. Uh Uh-huh. Then there was Tostig, Harold's exiled brother, who had a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Let's see, who else was there? Oh, there was King Harold Hadrada of Norway. God knows why he thought he could be CEO. Mm. But anyway, Harold Godwinson, the other Harold, knew where the real hostile takeover was coming from. You. Exactly. Now you're catching on. Yes. But I was keen to arrive at the party unannounced, so to speak. So I held off for a while till harvest season, because I knew all his men would have to head off and deal with that. Ah. Then I got doubly lucky, because Tostig decided to attack from the north with his mate, Harold Hardrada. So while the other Harold had his hands full, Harold Godwinson, yes, wannabe King Harold, while he was busy, and good on him by the way, because he killed Tostig and Harold Hardrada, which got two other wannabes out of the way for me. Yes, quite. While he was gone, I invaded from the south. 
first at Pervancy, then I moved east to Hastings, built a castle as a base, and waited for Harold to turn up. You didn't go after him. Well, why would I do that? Well, I, I thought you... That would be just silly, Canardly. Why would I waste all that energy? He wants me gone, so come and get rid of me then. And that's exactly what he tried to do. So, it's my understanding. Harold took up defensive positions at East Sussex, about six miles from your castle, is that right? That's correct, Canardly. What happened next? We won. You won? Yes. That's it? No motivational philosophy from Chapter 7 got you through? Well, all right, if you must know, it was Chapter 2 again. A problem became a solution. How so? Well, if I'm honest, Harold's army, they were a pretty tough bunch. Our first attack, they hammered us, and some of my Breton volunteers crapped themselves and ran. Problem, right? Right. But when they ran, Harold's men took after them, handing us a lovely solution. Which was? I had a cavalry. They did not. I just ran them over with the horses. You cannot outrun a horse. Exactly, Canardly. But this gave me a great idea. See, Harold's men might have been tough, but they were not the brightest bulbs on the Christmas tree. So what I did was pretend to run away. They would chase after us, and I would run over them with the horses. And they didn't pick up on it. All day, Canardly. They just kept falling for it all day until it was over. You see, like I say in Chapter 5 in my book, stupidity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Oh, come on. That was written by Rita Mae Brown. When was that, Canardly? That's all I need to say to you is when. 1983, if I recall correctly, a quote from a fictional character named Jane Fulton in her book Sudden Death, 930 years after me. Do you not get it, Canardly? These people are riding on my coattails, and quite frankly, I'll be speaking to my lawyers. Right. Well, if you say so. I do say so. Okay, then. So, you had won the battle. Harold was dead with, according to the Bayou Tapestry, an arrow through the eye, is that correct? Who am I to say any different, eh? The point was, Harold was dead. And as far as I was concerned, I was now king. Unfortunately, there were still a few people around who disagreed with me, so I had to sort them out first. Success is not final, failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. I suppose you said that in your book as well. No, actually, I borrowed that from a bloke in the Dead Conquerors Club. Winston Churchill? You know him? Well, no, he died years ago. Well, so did I. Yes, that's true. Then, no, I haven't had the privilege to meet him. Funny bloke, likes a drink, has a strange way of speaking. We shall fight them on the beaches. And we will never surrender. You do know him. Well, know of him, of course. Yes, well, I borrowed that one from him anyway, but there were a few more heated board meetings before I took over England Proprietary Limited. All the other wannabe CEOs eventually decided their lives were more important to them than the crown. So finally, I was crowned CEO. This was at Westminster Abbey in 1066, is that right? Christmas Day, to be exact. Quite a befitting Chrissy present, I'd say. And you ruled happily ever after. Hardly can hardly. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, yes. Hardly can hardly. Gotta remember that one. No, I can't say it was happily ever after. There were constant rebellions from all the wannabes who kept forgetting I let them live if they promised loyalty to me. Right. Mind you, they were very quick to come back to loyalty when I threatened to fire them permanently again. You mean threatened their life? Threatened permanent termination of their position within the company. Plus, I now was CEO on both sides of the English Channel. It's hard work running two branches of a multinational family business. Yes, I can imagine. You have to remember, the internet didn't pop up till around a thousand years later, and I couldn't pop back and forth in my private jet. They weren't a thing yet either. Hmm, yes. 
back and forward in wooden boats. And have you seen the English weather? Woeful. I lost my lunch more than once on those trips, I'll tell you. But overall, I managed to keep things under control. People loyal to me, Normans I mean, not Saxons, I put in control of things, and I built lots of castles all over the country so we could hide in if things got uncomfortable. They revolted quite a bit, the people. Quite revolting they were. But anyway, I kept control of things for the next 20 years or so. Yes, which brings us to a sensitive subject. My death, you mean? Uh, yes. Happens to the best of us. And the worst. What do you mean by that? Nothing, I just mean... Are you suggesting I'm the worst? No, not at all. What what I meant was it happens to all. I mean, the best and the worst and all in between. That was insinuated, Canardly. It didn't need to be said. But you said it. Yes, I... You said, and I quote, and the worst. It sounded like you meant something by that. No, honestly, I just... Oh, relax, you big goose. I'm just playing with you. I really had you going there, didn't I? Ah, yes. You were all, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. (laughs) Yes, that was quite the joke. (laughs) It was, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Anyway, you were saying something about my death. Well, yes, I was wondering if you could shed some light on how it was that you, um, how I died? How you passed away, yes. A bloke like me doesn't pass away, Canardly. I died. Simple as that. Okay then, so what were the circumstances surrounding your death? Glad you asked. You see, I had an ungrateful eldest son, Robert. He was stirring up trouble with the French king, even though I promised to leave him Normandy when I died. Hmm, I guess he just wanted to speed up proceedings. So I had to make an expedition to sort him out. Now, I'd like to say I died in the heat of battle while leading my men to a glorious victory, but unfortunately, I got sick and died before I could. You got sick? Yes. And died? Yes, that's what I said. Quite the anticlimax. Well, you don't have to rub it in, Canardly. Anyway, ultimately, I didn't really care. Why is that? Because I was dead. Well, that makes sense. Yes, it does. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together once more for the Duke of Normandy, William the Conqueror, King William the First of England. William the Believer. William, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks very much. And as we like to say here at Yesterday Today, if you'd like to know more about William the Conqueror, just Google it. You have been listening to the Canardly Talk Straight Show. Stay tuned to this channel for more episodes.